Hello everyone, we are back here with another fireside chat. This is our fireside ch chat 22. And uh, before we even start, I just wanted to remind you if you're really enjoying those those chats, like please subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, and if you're new to this channel uh, or at least to the, the fireside chat, uh, basically like the fireside chat are topics that we normally have some informal conversations about and we decide to record them. So like we normally like talk that in a very informal way without a lot of uh, preparation. And uh, today we were talking about coupling and cohesion. And normally we talked about coupling and cohesion at the software uh, level, right? So how we uh, align our components and classes and systems and services. But we also realize that coupling and cohesion can be more universal concepts if you like, that can be applied beyond the software. And this is the conversation that we were having and they said, wow, why, you know what, why don't we just hit the, the, the rec button and have a fireside chat about it? So, but before we start, so why don't we, for people listening, maybe even non-developers uh, listening, what do we even mean by coupling and cohesion? If we start with some definitions, probably would help. Yeah. Who would like to, to do that? Mesh. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> is good at defining things. At defining stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you both. Uh, I'll give it a go. And, and then you'll say, no, I'm not good at defining stuff. But anyway. So I'll take uh, a, a very simple, and I'll be simplifying it because we are going to go into, into details. And I'll take the perspective of change because coupling cohesion can be defined in different ways, but let's take the, the perspective of making change happen, right? And the way that I would say is that cohesion actually describes the things that change together are close together, so they can be chained together easily. And the coupling is that things that don't need to change together are suitably apart, so changing one is not impacting the other. So to me, this is the basic definition of coupling and cohesion. Cohesion, things that change together are together. And coupling, things that don't need to change together are not impacting each other when one is changed. But they are related. So that's the, the tricky bits, right? So they need to communicate, right? That's so right. yeah, again, I have a very similar view. Like it's more like everything that is strongly related they should remain together but that's exactly like the the, the changing perspective is very interesting uh, when we are uh, modeling systems or designing systems and we need to define our from from low levels like for example from class and method levels all the way to systems right to services it's all about how much behavior you're going to keep it together and how much behavior is going to be isolated. So how this group of behavior that is strongly related to each other uh, is going to be uh, available to other parts of your system and how do they talk to each other, right? So because you want to keep the, as you said, Mesh, like uh, behavior belongs together, so they normally change together, uh, isolated from other pieces of behavior that also have their degree of cohesion, let's say, but they also need to interact. And the interaction is the coupling, right? So it's the degree of coupling that you have. So all those different cohesive pieces, how do they interact among themselves? 
how many interactions do they have? And, and by interactions, we also talk about dependencies, right? So they depend on each other as they have those interactions. And the type of dependencies and the number of dependencies also will dictate the degree of coupling that they have an impact on the change as well. Yeah. yeah. In, in fact, this brings to my mind is one of the diagrams, in fact, uh, from Christopher Alexander that talks about, and it's it's in on his notes on synthesis of design. And basic, uh, basically what he talks about is, uh, I think it's the right title, it's notes on something anyway. But um, he, he actually talks about, he takes nodes, like one node, uh, depends on another node, right? And let's say uh, you introduce another one and that needs to depend on, on these two, right? So, and fourth one, and each new node that you introduce has this, I think it's, if I get the math right, it's an N square thing, right? So the as you uh, increase the number of nodes, the complexity of all of them connecting with all of the others increases exponentially. But that's where this idea of modularity comes in. Because then what you could do is if you took those nodes and grouped them, let's say in two groups, and only allowed the one group to connect with each other in, in that, and the other group to just connect with their own groups, you obviously just uh, uh, reduce the, the dependencies massively the connections massively but then mm -hmm. how do those two con connect with each other and you define a module with a single connection the protocol for them to talk mm -hmm. to each other and so you have simplified the problem the complexity of that system in its networks in its communications right so communication reducing that communication overhead by creating cohesive units that then speak to each other at a module at a higher level is 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 the trick basically and there you got the cohesion as in they need to talk to each other a lot so you can't divide them too much but the things that don't need to talk to each other too much you are creating a higher level of coupling to reduce the coupling at the lower levels right so this is the, the that's how he describes the basically design in the problem space how you simplify mm -hmm the communication in the problem space that you can then take towards the design space. But again, it's, it's that trick of simplifying connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And no, and uh, the thing is the, you know, I, I would have kind of defined it a bit differently more as a, as a measurement of how much things let's say are similar to each other, either in function or, you know, there's some sort of, commonality to them uh, and how much things depend on on each other right which is a similar uh, uh, idea to what you express no like things that change together and so on that's that's kind of like the application although what happens is you know if I have to change something then that spreads through you know those connections or those dependencies and and so on um, and one thing that uh, people tend to you know forget or, or let's say a, approach when they're talking about software and they're talking about cohesion is like they they use a you know the module or the you know they they try to say use whatever boundaries the language has to kind of be the unit for 
with those things if it's a class if it's a right uh but there are other things that create uh that cohesion as well right um and you you may think of them you know as, as at the functional level right like you know what function they perform uh so for me that that will be kind of that uh another aspect to that not just the structure of where they are in the and in, in the code no so to speak um and i feel again there's there's lots of ways no to define uh, the, the different types of cohesion and the different types of of coupling uh we we probably want to go more into as well uh, and analyze how these things look from a organizational point of view and you know we already did an episode on the reverse uh, conway law uh, and, and all of that stuff right mm -hmm. uh and this has a lot to do with that i would say um but let's let's do a pass through all yeah. of those like you know the different types of, of coupling the different types of of cohesion and then maybe try to find some of the similarities I think, yeah i think before we go into that maybe sandra you you may want to talk about the nature you know the balance the spectrum mm. those kind of things yeah. kind of more talking about the nature of, of of coupling and cohesion actually yeah so so uh th those concepts are often like reasonably simple to explain but they are extremely difficult to get the balance right uh right so for example we mentioned uh things that change together normally stay together like uh but how much how many of those things imagine like uh let's keep on the software side because it's easier for me to give examples right then we can move to the organizational side but like you take a monolith right there are things that are related to each other and it's very easy to say for example any logic related to payments uh yeah you should put them together any logic related to a catalog maybe you should put together but they are the same system. And there are user journeys, as you were saying, Jose, that's going to go across some of those boundaries, right? Let's say. So, so there is also an art of putting things together. How much do you put together? Let me give you an even more concrete example. I mentioned payment and catalogs, yeah? So those, like in domain-driven design, we call them normally uh, bounded context, let's say. So th those are not... Uh, language constructs they are uh domain specific uh aggregations let's say right so you have things that are the the boundaries are dictated by your programming language like methods and classes right that allows you to create those boundaries then you have a system boundary as well so everything that is in within those deployables in between you might have some namespaces and packages, but it's already getting complicated because like how many classes or functions do you put in a single namespace? How many namespaces do you have? How do you have sub namespaces? Even the payment example I gave, let's say all the payment logic goes there. But like within the payment logic, how much logic do you put? Because the payment, uh, processor, let's say there is an area of your system that deals with payment. It deals with potentially credit cards, Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal. So 
how do you organize those things? Then it has fraud detection, which is a huge system on its own. It needs to store confidential data, it needs to be PCI compliant. So even within a thing, so then we say, like, how do I, what does it mean cohesion in that? So then you will start understanding that cohesion and coupling, but I'll stay in cohesion for now, applies at multiple levels of abstraction, right? So if you are at the class level, you can say like this class will be responsible for this kind of behavior, this class will be responsible for this kind of behavior, but those classes together, they also are in a higher level of abstraction, they represent a component, right? And this component now is, belongs to a, a bounded context, that is the fraud detection. But fraud detection is a sub-context of the payment system. So you see what I'm saying? And then you say, like, how do I deploy that? So then, we, you, because why this is important? Because you have levels of cohesion within those definitions, but you also have degrees of coupling within the units themselves, within the payments area. How does the fraud detection and the different payment methods related to each other? That's the coupling within a cohesive unit. And then you have the coupling of the payment unit with the then other bounded contexts, for example, like the catalog and uh, the client or customer area and stuff. So as you can see, so those things, they will vary from levels of abstraction and the communications between them also change. This, right. this was my point before, because it, precisely, you know, you're kind of using those boundaries, you know, the class level, the, the, the context and so on. The right? class and system is yeah. easy because they are hard, they are hard levels. All the other ones, they are, we make them up, right? Yeah, but yeah. you can have the boundary and you can have, you know, the class and not really have cohesion. You know sure. what I mean? Like, you, this is what I'm trying to say. Like, it, the, the concept is not only at the, you know, structural level. Uh, it, it goes beyond that. No, it's, it's, it's about the communication. It's about the sequence that all those things also create cohesion. No, when you when you mentioned there's a journey and so on, those things for me also create that cohesion, right? And uh, the, the thing that people ignore sometimes is that, you know, they tend to focus on the structural aspect of it and think that because they have a separation structurally, no, they have a separation or they have a, you know, they, they, they either have cohesion or they have loose coupling, well, coupling on, on the thing yeah. they because they're introducing a, a, a separation. And that's how you get, you know, the distributed monolith, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think uh, this is, it's, it helps in this case to go back to the, you know, the original de definition that I gave, which is that if you want to, to say that two parts are not coupled together, then, you know, you need to do a mental exercise of saying, well, if I change this, would I need to change that as well? Right. So so it's kind of going back up that level because you're you're right. People can create two, for example, webs, uh, two services, microservices or whatever. And often you find that those both of those microservices are uh, relying on the same database table. Well, if you change that, uh, you know, table structure, table. you may need to change both of them. So you are impacting, right. so you are introducing coupling, but you think they're two microservices, they, you know, they are coupled. 
they're not loosely coupled. That's the point of microservices to be loosely coupled, right? And so, so yes, you you do have um, you, you know you do have to think about beyond the 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 concepts. One thing, Sandro, you were talking about is this cohesion and coupling exists at all the different levels of software, and of course, all the way going into organization. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But even talking about the different levels of abstraction, I think there is a there, there is actually a con the, the concept has a name. It's it's kind of called stratified design. You know, where it it actually all that it means is that introducing abstractions at each level, you're creating a domain language that you then use to solve problems at a higher level at you know at the next level. Right? That's all it means. You know, you create a what you are really doing is creating a hierarchy of domain languages, a very mm -hmm. low level domain language at the bottom, a very high level domain language at the top that is actually combining systems. Right. So, but, it, and in all those cases, the, you know, when you talk about the idea of coupling and cohesion, you're talking about a particular level, you know, a particular level, one concept, one part, one module, highly cohesive actually means that it's highly coupled inside. That's why it's highly cohesive. Mm -hmm. But but at the boundaries, when you talk about the connections, it's it's low coupled in the sense that it it actually has low cohesion at that level. Right. Mm -hmm. So that you, you know, then this is what 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 the, that kind of balance side of things as well is that uh, you know like a, a lot of the times my kind of one of my interview questions is is around like you know sometimes people start discussing like you know single responsibility principle and i say to them well okay it's very easy to achieve single responsibility just really divide it down to the minutia then everything has single responsibility but how do you know you've gone too far right and actually the, this whole idea of coupling and cohesion T tells you when you have actually gone too far because within the same level because you you've gone into dividing the problem more and more you're making it coupled you you you've got bits that should be together are no longer together even even if like you know we talk about lcom 4 and so on even if you achieve that you might have high cohesion but actually you might have just got high coupling as well because although the, you you had you know you've really achieved high cohesion in in terms of Alcom, and you can f find that out in like Sonar Sonar Cube and Sonar has the, that kind of metric. You can find out what the definition is. You can actually have introduced. You've optimized at the local level, but at at a higher level, what you've done is you've created a higher level of coupling. So so there is a balance to be achieved. You know you always have to think about just enough level of cohesion to give you. The, the best or the loosest level of coupling at that level. And, and this is something that you have to kind of keep in mind all the time. Yeah. And, and that's why this kind of sense actually allows you to apply these lower level principles like solid principle, for example, in a better way and not actually shoot your, yourself in the foot with them. Yeah, because like, for example, you gave a very good example that uh, when we try to really optimize for cohesion, right? So it's so like, I want to make everything highly cohesive to the latest degree. A side effect of that is to have far more moving parts. Yeah. 
right? Because you, you keep further dividing things. Mm -hmm. And although the, the, the smaller parts become highly cohesive because they become very, very tiny, tiny and very focused, focused, you now have far more parts to deal with, which means that yeah. you need to, you, you introduce complexity on the coupling because now you need to manage all those small parts. You need to make them all, you need to orchestrate all those parts, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you can go all the way to the other end. It's like I have just one part, so that there's no orchestration. But then the internals of that part is 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 a bit messy. It's an and n square kind of communication problem that I mentioned. Exactly. But yeah. then you have like one part, but that part internally is not very cohesive. So, yeah. but you don't have a problem with coupling. And I have a. a, a, a you mentioned single responsibility principle. I actually had a very uh, a real story. Like when I joined uh, UBS, like the investment bank that you used to work for. Uh, one of the when I joined that project, I I remember going to pair with this guy, and we were working on a class uh, called with uh, about three thousand lines, three thousand two hundred lines. I think that that class had, and and clearly to me that was violating the single responsibility principle that we talk about in solid right and, and i in my naivety i went to this guy and say hey i maybe this class is a little bit on the the big side right so maybe it is i think that this class is is violating then i wanted you to use the nice terms now this is violating the single responsibility principle <laughs> from solid and and then the guy said, what do you mean? I said, well, this class has more than one responsibility. He said, no, it doesn't. It just has one responsibility. And I said, like, what do you mean? It has 3,200 lines. I said, no, no, it just has one responsibility. And then I realized the name of the bloody class. The class was called, uh, well, the class was called like trade, trade service or whatever, but had just one method called process trade. Yeah, it, it took just a big trade. XML. Exactly. It, it, it received a huge. It contained exactly. all the code that I exactly. it, it received a huge <laughs> big XML that did tons of shit inside and would spit out another XML in a queue and it was processing the trade. So, from that perspective, it had one responsibility. And the point that I'm trying to make with that is that you can also. As you play with this concept, it depends on how you generalize those concepts. So this is why I always say that like the single responsibility principle is a bastardized version of cohesion, right? Mm -hmm. So because you have two aspects for single responsibility principle. One is the external aspect that says like, does it do what it says? And in this case, for this 3,200 uh, line class, it did. If you just look at from that perspective, what is the name of this class? What does it do? Yeah, process of trade, bang, single responsibility principle. If you look at the internal side or the inside, it goes back to what you were saying, Mash, is how many reasons do I have to change this class? And then we could decompose in more than 15. Oh, we need to parse this XML. Each area of the XML is a different thing. We need to enrich this data. We need to send this. We need to log these or to be compliant with that and so on, blah, blah, blah. Who is stepping? Who is step out of the trade and which kind of trade and so on? So then we could list all the different reasons that we had to change that. And that's when we start saying, now we had a better conversation about cohesion of all the different pieces that could change. But then as we were splitting those things, 
the overarching module remained the same. It was still the trade processor, but instead of being everything in like a single class, we have multiple subcomponents. So again, the trade processor remained a cohesive unit compared to the rest of the units at the same level of abstraction in the system. But internally, we decoupled that into sub-modules so that internally uh, they were more, uh, there were more modules. We introduced more uh, more problems in the coupling, but we made the, the cohesion, yeah. we fixed the cohesion. Well, this, this is exactly what I was mentioning when I was mentioning stratified design. It's, it's about different levels of abstraction that actually together, combined together, create a domain-specific language, a DSL. Mm -hmm. And it is the way to reason about about them. And at that level, you can talk about coupling and cohesion. But at the next level, it's a different level to yeah. to kind of talk about. We need to do it again, right? We need to talk yeah. about again about coupling cohesion, but now in a either a lower yeah. or an upper level, right? And, so and and it's this is why I call coupling and cohesion system thinking concepts, and the, they actually allow you to um, to think at all these different levels and reason about your system. Because as you just mentioned, applying things like um, single responsibility principle and just going by its definition, but not thinking about systems, either you optimize at one end of the spectrum where you just have a big process trade processor or the other end of the spectrum where you have thousands of little things that are kind of working with each other and, and you know, very lots of different levels of this stratified design as I talked about as well. But you know, you haven't really stopped. You've just kept going down that rabbit hole until you've created something extremely complex. And this kind of thing kind of goes to the microservices stuff, right? People always ask, like, you know, how small does, <laughs> does a microservice need to be? Well, you know, as small as you can make it or as big as you can make it so that you have adhere to these two concepts of or system level concepts of coupling and cohesion because you are trying to achieve low coupling and high cohesion you're trying to achieve to change one part and not have to change other parts and the parts that need to change together from a problem side of the problem domain when you come into the solution domain they are sitting together so they are convenient to change together and so the this kind of that kind of question goes away then how big or how small a microservice needs to be. It needs to be as big or as small as, uh, you know, trying to achieve this low coupling and high cohesion at the different levels, uh, uh, at all the different levels, right? Well, one thing related to that, which is, I think was not entirely uh, clear, but you, you sort of mentioned it, right? It is the relationship, uh, when trying to simplify. Now, to some extent, what you're doing is you're getting things together that are going to be changing together. You, you know, you cut and then, you know, you have the simplification, so to speak, that allows you to handle that, uh, you know, communication complexity, you know, the, the N square problem that you were, that yeah. you were mentioning. By the, by the way, sorry, it's called no, notes on the synthesis of form. If you want to, it's not notes on the okay. synthesis of design. Just so if people <laughs> okay. are trying to write down which book to go to. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, in reality, uh, another thing that gets missed is that you are doing a trade-off there, right? And this is, for instance, when 
to your example no of of um of microservices no every time that you decide to split you're introducing yes you are trying to keep things together and supposedly it's it's simplifying but it's also adding complexity at a different level in this case you know if you're using microservices then people tend to you know, add uh, containerization and Kubernetes and all these things. And then suddenly you have all of this stuff that you need in order to get your things done that is handling uh, the, the complexity introduced by, you know, splitting, right? And that trade-off, if you're not aware of it, you end up with, you know, the, the super bulky system that requires lots of things just to you know, it used to be an app, right? Like it was all here. Like I would deploy everything and, and that's it. Yeah. I didn't need all of this crap uh, around it, right? And uh, that is something that is that is missed as well. So so it's not just about, yo, split and then it simplifies. If you're not doing it properly, if you're not aware of the trade-offs that you're introducing in your architecture and in, in how you're designing the system, it will... You, you, know, you, you will, will still you, shoot yourself in the food. No? Yeah, like this is where the whole idea of um, inherent and accidental complexity comes in as well. There is inherent complexity in your problem domain. You will not get rid of that. Doesn't matter how low you go in terms of microservices and all. All you're gonna do is move that complexity. If you really this, you know, if you really go down to like really small services, you move that complexity that exists that is inherent into a place where you are ill-equipped to manage it, right? So, like, and, you know, you need to kind of, that complexity remains. And arguably, that is easier to manage when things are together and they're just calling each other and there's no network and everything else. But if, if that is inherent complexity and you've just moved it up into the communication level where you now have accidental complexities of network failures and all sorts of other things that could could get in your way. You've just made your problem much worse, not better. Yeah. Um, so, guys, can you hear me well? Because I you were frozen for me for a bit. Uh, yeah. yeah? Um, All yeah. good? Yeah, okay. yeah, I can hear you, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So, you know, I, I've been thinking about uh, those things. Well, uh, in the past, I was thinking about those things. I And, and I was creating some guidelines to, to define, to, to calibrate this. I end up uh, uh, creating a thing I called back then, like the balanced abstraction principle, right? That the BAP, and and I was thinking that, that that was something that was missing to the solid. And I'll tell you, it was a shame that when I when I actually wrote about it, I wrote at a very low level. But just just hear me out here. Uh, so, so what uh, I was saying. Oh, tell me more about the BAP. So yeah, but, go, 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 go for it. Go for it. So, yeah. so, so the, 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 the balance abstraction principles, for example, how do you calibrate how much behavior you put in a place and how much behavior you delegate? So basically what you are to define is like what is your bound, the boundaries of your cohesion and depending on how you calibrate the boundaries of the, the, the cohesive module, it will implicate how many other modules you will have as well because it will, you will be further dividing or further accumulating things in the same module, right? So, and, and the way that I was thinking about it, imagine that each module at a specific level of abstraction has siblings, yeah? And those siblings, they need to be at the same level of abstraction. 
So the example that I was giving about bounded context or functional areas, for example, if I have a module called product, the other module is called client, and the other module is called payments. So product, client, and payments, when you look at their names, they seem to have to be at the same level of abstraction. So if I wanted to break them as components or even services, they are at the right, right level, assuming that they talk to each other. But let's say that instead of having, uh, I had, uh, I don't know, product, uh, client, American Express, PayPal, and uh, fraud detection. So the PayPal, uh, uh, American Express, and fraud detection, they are not at the same level of abstraction as product and, and, and customer or something like that. So, for example, that would be trying to put siblings that are in the wrong level of abstraction. So, for example, wrapping the American Express, PayPal, and fraud detection into a higher level concept like payments and, and then make payments as siblings as the other ones, this was the way that I was thinking about calibrating the, the different levels. And that's the balanced abstraction principle. That's what I was trying to say about always trying to balance the level of abstraction of the siblings. This is one of the guidelines, which I, I really... Probably one day I will write more about because I wrote at the low level detail and I didn't escalate that all the way. And the other one was concepts of coupling as well. And there are two types of coupling that also help us to calibrate uh, this balance. One is called the fun in. Yeah, so the fun in is like you have how many modules depend on a single module. Yeah. So, so multiple modules depend on a single module. If this, that's back to the example that we gave, mesh of the database table, right? So if this single module changes, it causes a ripple effect upwards to the, the method, the, the modules that depend on that uh, method. So it's not a problem uh, as long as this module is very stable. It's a very small and stable module. But if it's a business module in constant evolution, you want to avoid a funny. The other one is the fun out. It's like one module depending on multiple modules. And module, I'm using a more generic way. It could be classes, could be systems, could be components, right? So, so if one module is talking to too, too many, you know that you also have the, low, the wrong level of abstraction. But well, because what you normally have in there is like one module that is coordinating the flow of modules that are in a lower level of abstraction. Because you are one module talking to, I don't know, six, ten modules. So what you are missing in between the single module coordinating the flow of other ten modules, you are missing some modules in between that would take care of part of that communication. So I mean, that would hide the details. And those yeah. are the, 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 the some the, of the guidelines. They, they actually follow the, the same kind of things. By the way, the in terms of the... Uh, abstractions at the same level is is uh, addressed in stratified design as well so that it talks about abstractions at different levels because a, a a a language it's actually a patterns language that's how it describes it a pattern at a, a set of patterns that combine together create a language right and they they need to be at their own level right so so actually stratified design talks about exactly those kind of things it talks about different levels and how you need to maintain the the patterns at that level right and the other thing i think 
Ken Beck also kind of mentioned maybe he there is one thing called composed method, which is he talks about it at a lower level, but he's it's also talked about level, it yeah. applying at at different levels. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you talked about, the fan in and fan out, it actually is very very or has a kind of very close link, at least if not identical, to this um, to this idea of um, when you are creating uh, different you know, when you're creating a module, like when you have one thing that has lots and lots of dependencies, you know, the N squared problem, as I said, mm -hmm. and when you, when you create two, when you split it in the middle, you take it one exponential level down, right? And as you said, if you take it to the next level, you know, you take it again to the next exponential level down, you know, if you think something is with N squared, the thing is increasing exponentially, Every time you remove a level and to create modules and to kind of create a protocol between those modules, you're taking that exponential complexity down each level, which actually at the highest level gives you a lot of advantage almost, you know, I mean, and, and so on and so on. You get diminishing returns as you go further down into the smaller and smaller modules, right? So, and you get higher returns further up. And again, is that is actually the same concept of fan in and fan out described in a in a different way, but yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. I haven't thought about that before. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing about that so that we can uh, move to the other topics that we wanted to cover, but for example, when we are discussing about that, the fan ins and fan outs and stuff, what we are always really defining here is the, and the different levels of abstraction, are communication patterns. Right, is how those things are communicating to each other. So if we extrapolate those concepts to teams in a department, good segue. Good right? segue. <laughs> right. So so like or the, the, the departments in a company. But, but this this is an interesting thing, right? So huh? so how how those those communications? Uh, so how those groups are communicating? So when we are creating teams within a department, create departments within a company, and, and even like different areas of a product uh, and how those different departments support the business. What is the, the relationship between those different business units? For example, uh, again, made at the low level, the team all the way to high level uh, departments. When they talk to each other, what is that kind of uh, conversation? Who depends on whom? Who is orchestrating the communication across those different teams? What does it mean to be cohesive? So, so again, those same principles could be applicable to a much wider concept. What do you guys think? I, I agree, because because the the beauty about it is that these are you know as Mas said, no, they're system thinking concepts, right? And our organization is is a system as well. Uh, so you you can apply these things to the to you know whatever you decide to call components no or elements of of your system right whether you're doing at the uh, person level or department or team or whatever level of abstraction no that you want to do your grouping at so I think it's very very relevant and you see it often right like teams that have dependency on the same data 
or mm -hmm. you know they're they're passing stuff around that they need in order to uh, work or and this is why certain um you know certain methodologies and and this kind of thing that they try to optimize for uh, the the delivery of value no they they kind of try to get that cohesion no of everything that i need in order to get the you know the value out the door right if you if you look at it like let's try to remove the dependencies because dependencies will inherently be bad for this right like they will create blockers so how do we do that let's let's try to put everything that we need together right um and if you look at you know concepts like waste and so on they also kind of try to to minimize that or or give you some sort of indication on when you have the wrong no level of, of abstraction for what you're trying to accomplish right at least that's the way that you know i feel like it's it's similar what do you think yeah I, I think this is where I think you mentioned Conway's law earlier as well, right? Conway's law is very closely linked to coupling and cohesion, right? And and it's, it's, it's that same thing, you know, th people, you put people together that need to work closely together. You basically, the way I describe to people when they talk about like, how should I divide my teams and so on? And I say, well, when you divide your teams and you put people, you're making a statement. The statement that you're making is, that the communication uh, required for these people is extremely high and so you're gonna you're gonna uh, structure the organization so that you can create a much higher bandwidth of communication which is a team and if it's co-located it's even higher bandwidth right and and then if you then have people in a different team you're making the statement that these people don't need to have the same level of bandwidth for communication with those people, right? So then you, you have to look at your problem. And when it comes to the, the, the problem domain, what is that asking you to do? And this is where XP comes in as well with the concept of the whole team, right? Pulling the, the customer out away from the team actually is creating a low cohesion element. Right, is things that wanna be together for the ch for change to be easier are now sitting apart, and XP tried to bring a whole concept of the whole team where people who really need to speak to each other all the time, where actually writing, designing, building software for them people to be together is gonna be much easier because if they are constantly in communication with each other. They, they will reduce that waste again, going back to the lean. So we're kind of going through all these different concepts from, from the point of view of coupling, coupling and cohesion. Yeah, and, I, I and, will. No, go on, go on sorry. Go on, go on, no, I thought you were done. Uh, no, no, go for it, go for it. I was done. <laughs> uh, so the, I wanted to even give like an even more uh, stronger example in, in for, for like from software to, to team communication. For example, when we create two components or two modules, I'll put modules, right? So you can calibrate it whichever, whichever level. You have two modules. So similar to what you were saying, Mesh, like the, 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 the things that are within the method, the, the module, they have a high bandwidth of communication and proximity, right? So, so they interact very closely with each other. But across modules, 
what you want to have is a very well structured uh, communication. So they have, like in software, we normally create the module interfaces, right? So, so we create a very precise way for those modules to talk to each other. Normally, you keep that interface as narrow as you can so that one, when one module talks to the other, there is a very narrow interface that they go through that interface, but they never go to the internals, yeah? This way is how we guarantee that those modules are loosely coupled. Quite often, we see in bad systems uh, that let's say that module one has five uh, internal pieces and module two has also five uh, internal pieces, but they talk directly to each other. There's not a single point of entry to each module. Each, each one of the five uh, pieces of module one talks to whichever parts of module two, right? So this thing, like you, you don't have, so you have coupling, you have a huge degree of coupling because the internal parts are all connected, which means that although it seems that there is a, 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 a separation, but in fact, what you have is One module. a single module. A single but model, now exactly. they are apart, so they're making it even more difficult for each other. Exactly, <laughs> but because you created a physical separation between the, them, but the communication across the, the parts are uh, done at the part level and not at the entry level, you, exactly you made your problem worse. Yeah. Because like now you, are, you have two things that potentially should be together because of the degree of collaboration, and you are making them to be apart and you create more complexity in doing so. So then either you bring them to, to, the, the two together to be a single module, or you fix those uh, couplings and say, you know what, no parts talking to each part, just talk through the, the public interface. And so, yeah, if you bring that, no, yeah, if you bring that to the, the, the teams, it's exactly the same thing. You have one team with five people, another team with five people. If they just talk to each other, as they wish, any person of team one talks to any person of team two whenever they want, and they keep working like that. Maybe keeping those teams separate is the, the worst thing to do because now they have different goals, but they, they collaborate very closely, and that creates friction because they, you are trying to make them work independently, but they are highly coupled with another team. So what you really wanted to do is that the teams are high very cohesive, that means the communication across the individual of the team happens very formally, very often, very quickly, but when they need to go to another team, it needs to be structured, otherwise you have that complexity. Yeah, right? so, and in, in fact, I was, I was just thinking, the reason you describe a well-defined interface between systems or teams is because once you have a well-defined interface, you each side honors that. So mm -hmm. they don't need to be in constant communication. They can rely on that being stable. Mm -hmm. Because what he's trying to do is reduce the communication because it's a low bandwidth uh, a channel. So you're trying to reduce the communication because it's a low uh, bandwidth. And the way to reduce the communication is to, to have a common agreement. And I'm going to work, this team is going to work based on that same common agreement as this team right knowing that that agreement will remain so they can do whatever as long as they don't break the agreement and it's exactly the same for systems so that what that means is that low bandwidth communication channels are kept at the low bandwidth basically you know <clears throat> looking at other uh, applications and and drawing from your 
example of the of the BAP, no, the in in the fan and so on, <clears throat> fan in and fan out. <clears throat> like some of those, like for instance, Scrum and and defining a product owner as the entry point for you know the work that the team needs to do. That is trying to solve you know kind of that problem, no, and and priorities and and the. Uh, connection with the outside world, uh, outside world and so on. Another thing that is common as well is related to data when people are using the same data and then you have, you know, uh, they're either maintaining different copies and then they need to synchronize and all the things then trying to uh, have, you know, all of these, you know, master product X, uh, MDM, whatever you, you want to call it, no? And, and trying to uh, try and keep the data together, have some sort of governance, but then again, they're doing a trade-off, right? Then if I need data, fine, as long as it's what this group has decided, right? If I need something else, if I need a different kind of thing, most likely um, I'm going to have an issue and because, again, I'm not part of that, so I don't have the direct access and so on. And this is where things like the whole data mesh idea is, is coming from like how do you instead of going to the extreme and having that centralized uh, thing how can you you know split that within the organization and have autonomous groups that are that are working on different areas of the data kind of like you know micro microservices and so on right but take it at the organizational level and in this case information or or data no uh, support where they are autonomous enough, they have they're cohesive enough to to be able to do all the things uh, on their own, no. But they are sharing those um, components, right? So so there's a again, it's a balance between you know everyone's having to redo the same thing all over again to having a centralized storage or or point of, for storing that versus you know finding that middle ground, no, where you have autonomy and uh, the benefits no, of some of the things. It's, but it's it is kind of almost evolution or because basically what we talk about, we talk about interfaces between things, modules, people, you know, different parts of information, those kind of things. What you're talking about is that, you know, in order to enable autonomy, you are standardizing communication between those various parts. But actually, as soon as you standardize, you're putting things in a bit of a stone so they can't evolve as quickly they need to as they need to evolve. But in order to evolve them quickly, you then need to have higher bandwidth communication. So I think it's it, the, the, it's the data mesh idea. Communication, eh? It's not only communication, decision making as well. Uh, yeah, and, that, you know, like, like, like I'm not like it. Exactly. It's not only the channel or the, or the information flow but also you know, where decisions are made. Because this is another thing, right? You can have that, but if decisions are made centrally, you still have the same problem, well, right? It, this is what I was actually gonna t talk about, is that you, know, you can either make the decision centrally, but then you kind of almost put one, one side in power and you got three way n ways of communication going on. Because what you then have to do is all the parts need to speak to that part and that one needs to make the decision and then bring the communication back to these parts. And actually, when you talk about community-based standardization processes, where all the parts that do need to talk about to standardize one thing, they all form a committee 
to actually make that standard happen and evolve that standard. So, so you are reducing the by a one level of this n squared problem. So if you introduce a centralized uh, body of decision making, you're actually, you know, n, n uh, to the power three is much lower than n to the power four, right? So what, what you add is a higher level communication burden if you start having this centralized stand. And in some cases they are needed. But if you can't establish a good way of evolution of central cent, uh, certain standards, because you know in in organizations there are other problems as well. There's problems around ownership and all those kind of things. You know when you have to start worrying about those as well. Um, when you talk about community-based standards bodies and that kind of thing, is that you know who is who owns it, who drives the process, who really looks after it, and those kind of things add more complexity. So it's not just it's not as simple as that. But you know, it there is an element to it. Yeah, no, no I might be extrapolating a few things. I was just having, having a few things in my head, uh, trying to make that comparison from software uh, to organizational aspect in, in terms of coupling and cohesion. So, for example, imagine that you have multiple modules uh, that needs to process different kinds of information, but so the entry point to the system, we have many, many entry points that do process different parts of information. But at the back, they all share a single module that you do something common for them, right? So at that point, what you are doing, you have the funning kind of problem, right? So all the different uh, inputs, we rely on a single backend or service at the back. And the performance of all those channels will be dictated by the performance of this single module. If this module is, uh, is struggling to cope with the load, it will slow down all the, the different channels to process stuff. Yeah. So then uh, a, a common discussion that we have architecturally speaking, of course, like we can resolve that is scaling that module, right? So making that scalable, making stateless, and then having multiple copies and stuff. But then there are also like a question that we talk about sometimes, like, should we duplicate something sometimes? You know, well, instead of having a single dependency, we just duplicate that thing at the back, uh, and then we leave all the different modules to be. I'm simplifying this because we can have many different types of solutions for the, the problem that I'm describing. But, but those are about coupling and cohesion and duplication also of effort as well. Do you keep things that are common centralized or you could afford to take things that are common across different modules, duplicate it instead of centralized. Yeah. So if you go to the organizational side, take the QA department or a production services department. It's the same thing, so multiple teams Let's say they have a dependence on the QA team. So while the QA team don't QA their piece of work, they cannot go live. But if the QA team is swamped by requests by multiple teams, they will need to synchronize all the releases, right? So then you can, one option is like we do in software, we optimize the QA team. We make the QA team scale, right? Another option is we duplicate the QA effort across the different teams. And so then you optimize the development teams. Yeah. Then we optimize the development teams. Exactly. So then you create a separation from the development team. So then you also have a trade-off here. What are you optimizing for? Do you want to keep each one of the streams 
each one of your modules or each one of your teams independent, may, but then you will have some duplication, sort of, right? So I'm just talking in general terms. Yeah. Uh, you, the, your QA, all your QAs are not 100% utilized. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, or you just like try to to create, you know, what? Because when you duplicate that, one you, you you optimize your teams as you would optimize your modules. However, different teams or different modules will have their specific needs. They will be or more active or less active. They will have far the workload might be bigger or slower. So, for example, the amount of QA. Then what you end up doing when you duplicate, you might you local optimize, right? So you might look optimize that common module that is now duplicated to fit better that module that is in there. So so now it's duplicated, but not quite. It's not the same. The same with QA. Some QAs start becoming differently. So then you need to decide: Do I want to keep my QA consistent? Or, or would I afford to local optimize for the modules? So balancing that is also an interesting thing because we have that problem in software the same way that you would have in the problem with the organization. Yeah. You need to rely potentially in communities of practices or uh, general guidelines and stuff. Or, or the Spotify model. <laughs> Uh, then it's sold. <laughs> as soon as you put like some tribes in, 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 in there, exactly. and then you do like this, and everything is sold. Exactly. <laughs> put some tribes. There you go. Yeah. But I think it's a it's like fascinating, and you can bring that all back to 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 this the same kind of coupling and cohesion concept. Where do you want to be coupled? And you know, having centralized things increases coupling, right? but at a different level. And you were talking about these different levels in the organization as well. You know, Where do you want to be cohesive and where you don't want to be cohesive? Do you want a cohesive QA team, uh, but then it's coupled with all the dev teams? Or do you want to want independent dev teams, teams and, and less, and cohesive, less QA. cohesive QA? Yeah, so the same same thing applies. Yeah. I think this is a good point for us to like, let's try to finish this in less than 60 minutes this time. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. Is there anything major we want to? I don't I know. Jose, we, you we like are very up, good at these kind of things, introducing a question that will. <laughs> at the end, this is, that, like, this is my moment. No? <laughs> it's your moment. Uh, no, no, no. I think I think we cover a lot of things. Again, uh, it would be good if people want to, because we also discussed the Conway law and the impact in structure and in software and, and vice versa. No, So that will be another good episode to, to watch, I guess. Um, no, just, just other areas that, that we could go into in other episodes, like things, there are certain governance, uh, kind of models like sociocracy and so on that try to get that balance to some extent. And they recognize that there may be, you know, different entry points for, for requests to your system and so on. And there's a bunch of patterns that can be used, uh, which if we look at them, I'm, I'm going to do that. But if, if we look at them, probably there might be a lot of similarities with, you know, solutions that we use in software to, to deal with similar, uh, with similar ideas. No, um, but no, other than that, <laughs> we can finish. <laughs> okay. So Mesh, final words from you then. I, 
I, I think as we, in fact, you know, the last thing that you, you, you talked about, right? Doesn't matter how, as soon as we talk about dependencies, right? I think this is the main thing. Doesn't matter if it's at the, even the two or three different lines of code, all the way to teams, organizations, systems, you know, coupling and cohesion are, are a very important aspect to consider. It's actually very closely, well, first of all, it's very close. It is in a way systems thinking, but it's, 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 it's actually, to me, I, I see that as a quite a universal concept. I don't want to call it a principle or anything, but it is a very universal. It's a tool to help you simplify. It's closely related to the whole idea. We try to divide and conquer at many, many places because we have really complex systems and we divide them in order to, to simplify. But as soon as we divide, the idea of coupling and cohesion comes straight bang in there. And you have to think about that. And understanding it well will actually make you a better developer, would make you a better team, would make you a better architect, would, you, would make you a better product owner, a manager. All these things, you really need to understand this, this particular concept. It's all about managing that communication, right? So how do you want that communication to flow across all the different parts? How are you going to organize those parts uh, to achieve optimal communication? So, yeah. So anything else, uh, Jose? Maybe like, no, you're good. Okay. So you're not going to ask another question, right? Okay. <laughs> so Okay, cool. I saw so you already shut it down by the way you asked the question. <laughs> You don't have any more questions. Yeah, you don't. You don't, you have, don't have a questions. question, was it, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like you're not gonna take that donut, right? <laughs> you're not gonna take that donut. <laughs> the last donut. Okay. okay well, uh, thanks everyone. Uh, if you stayed with us until now, so always re uh, remember, like, if you like those chats, subscribe to the channel, leave your comments, any topic that you like us to discuss, let us know. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.